The world of essential oils is an ancient and ancestral one. From the Mesopotamian Valley, where the Sumerians, Akkadians, and ancient Hebrew tribes were distilling, trading, and using oils, to the apothecaries and the wisdom of the ancient Chinese. From the dusty tombs of Egyptian pharaohs like Tutankhamun, to the Silk Road and spice merchants guiding camels burdened with precious ointments, oils, resins, and salves. The ancients knew and prized essential oils for their benefits, and we can enjoy the same benefits today. Maybe not procured from a trader riding into town on a camel, but beneficial just the same. Using oils in the kitchen is a remarkably easy and delicious way to use them, and one that our ancestors, who used oils for religious rituals, cleansing, medical care, and inhalation, in addition to Epicurean delights of the wealthy tables, would have approved of. In this episode, we will discuss what essential oils are, a brief history of their use throughout the world, and some of my favorite ways to use them in the kitchen. We have included a booklet of recipes for all listeners, which can be downloaded at ancestralkitchenpodcast.com slash downloads. Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen Podcast with Allison, a European town dweller in central Italy, and Andrea living on a newly created family farm in Northwest Washington State, USA. Pull up a chair at the table and join us as we talk about eating, cooking, and living with ancient ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. Hello, Andrea. Hello, Alison. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm well. The sun's been shining today, so I've been enjoying that very much. Yes. And you? A little winter sun. I am also well. It's pitch black outside. Sun won't be up for a while, but when it gets up, that'll be nice. And have you had some breakfast or have you not eaten yet today? Ah, yes, I did. I was so hungry this morning. I had poached eggs and toast and butter and... Mm. A giant cup of water, kind of boring sounding, but it's what I wanted. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes you just want that, don't you? I understand that. Sometimes yeah. you just yeah. want water. Exactly. How about you? Lunch? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We had um, lunch, sourdough spelt bread, mm. which um, I'm now grinding the spelt in the mock mill, which is um, I'm just slowly adjusting to how much hydration I need because it's different to the okay. pre-ground flour I was working with. Um, so it was quite a sloppy loaf, but it tastes really fabulous um, mm. with lard on and a bit of a treat for me, smoked salmon. Um, oh, whoa, yum. I very, very rarely buy smoked salmon mm -hmm. because I don't like buying any salmon that's been farmed and really most of the stuff yeah. you see is farmed. Um, yep. The wild stuff, when I do see it, is really expensive. <laughs> yep, So. Yep. I don't get it very much, but I really, really fancied it because it's all in the sort of places where um, you notice it because it's um, mm -hmm. getting near Christmas. It's after mm -hmm. Christmas when this is out, but it's just before Christmas when we're recording. Mm. Um, so I had that with lemon juice and black pepper. I have to have lemon juice and black pepper on smoked salmon um, with some yeah. carrot salad on the side, which is the um, carrot salad from Katie Deering's book that Ray Pete talks about. 
um, and some sauerkraut, and I think that was it. Yeah, it was wow. very, very nice. Yum. Thoroughly enjoyed that it. good. Yeah. You know, usually so, I have a, mm-hmm. I usually do a scoop of sauerkraut if I'm doing poached eggs and toast. Mm-hmm. I didn't put one on this morning. I wonder why. Oh, I just forgot. <laughs> I guess so. See, I have to weigh mine because I'm because I'm have to be really particular mm, yeah. with my probiotics. Yeah. So I was it kind of reminds me, it's the first thing I do when I start to get dinner together is to get the little scales out and weigh twenty five grams of sauerkraut out. Yeah. Um, so I, that I is rarely a good reminder. forget it. Mm, yeah. Because of that. Um, whereas I just plonk it on Rob's plate because he eats mm-hmm. just, you know, whatever, a spoonful, <laughs> whatever's around. So um <laughs> we are having a very interesting episode for me today and before we get into it we've got a couple of wonderful reviews from listeners to read um i will go ahead with the first one which is from susan 27 who -hmm. gave us five stars and she titled her review encouraging never do these ladies make you feel like you are less than or behind in your health journey just honest discussion and great tips and tricks and years of experience. I look forward to every episode. Also, their cookbook is lovely and full of inspiration. That's from Justine. She signed it at the bottom. Thank you, Justine. That's a wonderful, oh. wonderful review. That is. Have you got one there, Andrea, as well? Yeah, I have one yeah. from um, Bring the 90s Back. I'm down with that. <laughs> Gary was Down with telling, that. You're up with that. telling his mom the other day, I want, I want to go back to the eighties, you know, like all the jackets were better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to bring the nineties back. You did fat yeah. free. So yeah, exactly. There's a lot so of fun. turmoil in my life in the nineties. <laughs> not that there's not now, but you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> looking well, back. Well, this is um, another five-star review. So thank you. Mm. And the title is Life Affirming. I live by myself in the woods in California. It's beautiful, but can get lonely. So I lean on podcasts. Had to break myself of my true crime podcast habit, and I stumbled upon Ancestral Kitchen. These women are so lovely and feel like good friends. Instead of filling my head with ugly crime stories, I am cooking up soaked oats, tending my sourdough starter, making bone broths, and cleaning my dishes while listening to their wise and comforting words. I wish they were two hours long. Ha. Thank you, Andrea and Alison. Oh, that's lovely. That sometimes, is. sometimes they're in danger of being two hours long, these episodes, I tell you. <laughs> We've gotten pretty close. I I like that, um, I don't know if this is he or she, but I like that they said they were listening to it um, to break their habit of true crime podcast because mm. that's like a really big trend right now listening to true crime and I sometimes wonder like is that safe to be listening to that scary stuff all the time do I don't it. know oh I can't I don't yeah. I don't understand how it's so um popular I just I don't my, like my psyche like hearing those things. can't deal yeah. with that just when Rob and I started going out we used to watch a program called Dexter together which hmm. was about um, a serial killer who was like a oh good guy. He was a good <laughs> guy. A good he guy? used to um, he used to oh like kill all the people that the police couldn't actually convict. Um, and about six months into our relationship, we were just like, we can't watch this anymore. It's just too. Mm-hmm. It's pulling it pulling at us on purpose. You could feel how it yeah. was sort of toying with you, and it felt yeah. wrong to us. And then since then. 
I've listened to anything like that. I'd be curious if bring the nineties back, if you hear this, if you um like email us and tell us why what inspired you to break the habit. Yeah. I just think that would be interesting I'm glad to hear you about. Did. Yeah. I'm, we got I'm a lovely too. review. And yeah. we've got loads of things going in her kitchen. <laughs> so I also wanted to say, Alison, mm. that I've been fielding a lot of feedback on your spelt cookbook. So when this episode comes out, I think your book's been out for two months or so. Yeah. And I am getting messages from people who bought the book who are saying that they made the bread, they love the bread, they're, or they love the book. Maybe they haven't made it yet, but they bought it and they're yeah. reading it because um, it's only been out as we're recording this for a couple of days, basically. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so good job on that spelt book, Alison. Thank you. You put a lot into it. You put Thank a lot you. into it. Thank you. And um, on the beautiful new website, which is ancestralkitchenpodcast.com, yeah. Um, you can find the book. And yeah, I um I saw this morning on our Discord Patreon channel that um Emily had made the pizza. And Ooh. It looked so good. Ooh. Really good. She posted a picture. So, well done, um, Emily. Yeah. Good. Nice, nice. Yeah, thank you. Um okay, so let's talk about today's topic, which Do is it. essential oils. And Ooh. I'm deferring to you because you are the font of knowledge on this and I'm just going well really 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 whenever (laughs) you talk to me (laughs) so um we've got lots of really interesting information on oils and and their history and how you can use them particularly how you can use them in the kitchen and we don't really mean to clean we mean in your food which is basically a new thing on me I was like what you use them in food so we will get to that as we progress through. Do you want to start, Andrea, by sharing a little bit of the history? Because I didn't realise until I just had a glance at your notes for this, the amazing history of essential oils. Yeah. Yeah, they go way back. So they're as ancestral as bread and beer. So I'll tell you first what they are in case anybody's listening and doesn't know. Mm. Because when yeah, I first do. heard the term essential oils, I was like, Picturing canola oil, basically. Ah, okay. I really didn't know what they were. So they are essentially the blood of a plant. So they provide the plant's defense mechanisms against bacteria, viruses, fungi. Um, They come to the point of plant wounds to repair the plant or to create like a scar to seal off the plant's um, exposed flesh. And they also move nutrition throughout the plant. So from they can take <clears throat> nutrients that, um, like in the spruce trees up in Canada, for instance, in the very deepest part of winter, those trees store their most powerful nutrients and defense mechanisms deep down in their roots. And then when it hits the very coldest part of winter, you know, sub-sub-zeros, then the plants or the trees pull that potent oil from their roots all the way up through the tree. And as far as tree harvesting goes, that's actually when um, Young Living, who is the company that I purchased from, that's actually when they harvest the trees because that's when they are the most powerful. And it is also the worst time in the world to harvest trees. They do it with horses because you can't take trucks in there with all the snow. And then they... um, they have to cut the tree and immediately without stopping, chip it, load it on the truck, drive it and start the distillation. 
without any delay or it would just freeze into a giant brick of chips. Um, but it gets you a really, really strong um, oil, just like at different times in your life, your blood might be more powerful. You know, if you've ever had blood drawn and they'll tell you, oh, your hematocrits are this, your white blood cells are this, you know, um, your blood can be more or less beneficial to you. Um, obviously it's always beneficial, but it can be more beneficial, you know, when you are in uh, peak health. So, um, when you told me right before we started recording that Gabriel had come in the house with a branch of rosemary Mm. and that what you smelled was the fragrant volatile or called volatile oils. It always makes me think of David Copperfield. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They're volatile essential oils um, that um, they're called volatile because they immediately leap into the air. That's why when you peel an orange, you know, that, that burst yeah, of yeah. citrus you can smell it yeah. throughout the whole house um but the plant was rushing to send um healing oh, nutrients to the wound point um, so when gable break when branch. gable breaks off his um mm-hmm. rosemary which he does when he, literally every day when he comes in he's yeah, always got a bit of rosemary and so he's breaking it off and yep. those oils are coming to mend the wound basically like a sap on a tree yeah and actually, there's different points in time when a broken plant reaches its peak benefits, too. So, for instance, you can measure that with something called a bricks scale. So that kind of measures the sugars in the plant. So an example is when we harvest lavender. And by we, I'm referring to Young Living. I've gone to some of these events. When you harvest lavender and we don't immediately dump it into the distiller, it actually gets spread out on a concrete covered pad because as the plant has been broken, it begins the healing process. Then it reaches a peak point where it has its maximum healing potential for repairing itself. And then after that, it starts to decline in potency. But what um, the staff at Young Living does is they're testing it continuously with just a little bricks tester you can hold in your hand. Mm. And when it reaches its peak, then they put it in the distiller. So then you who purchase the oil get your maximum possible benefits out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Learning about how plants work. And this was when I started studying the chemistry of plants, this was the thing that intrigued me about oils because as we'll get into a little bit farther down, sometimes pretty much in the U.S., People are very skeptical that something that doesn't come out of an orange bottle with a white childproof lid can do anything for you beneficially, you know. And they say, oh, maybe it's a placebo effect or something. Yeah. But what's interesting to me is that if it was placebo, plants would have died a long time ago. They wouldn't have made it. (laughs) Yeah. Because I don't think plants, and certainly animals, um, animals are known to not be subject to placebo effect. And oils work on every organism, animals, the same as they do on humans. If you've been around ancestral food for 10 minutes, you know liver is a superfood. You're looking at a food packed with vitamins A, K, a broad spectrum of B vitamins, CoQ10, bioavailable iron, plus many essential minerals and more. Liver is your first stop when seeking to gain energy and restore your health. Not only is it a delicacy and staple of traditional diets, 
It's the first thing most animal predators go for when hunting. Are you looking for a good way to work liver into your daily life, but getting it on the table just isn't happening yet or as much as you'd like? This is where liver capsules come in. Allison and I are both supplementing our ancestral diets with liver capsules from One Earth Health. We get all the incredible benefits of liver, even when we're on the road or preparing non-liver meals for our family, and the sourcing and preparation has all been handled for us. One Earth Health produces nutritious organ capsules from 100% grass-fed New Zealand-raised cattle. Support the pod by purchasing through our link, and you'll also get 5% off and free shipping as a bonus. Go to oneearthhealth.com slash ancestralkitchen or check the show notes. So, so uh, you could um, talk to us a bit about the kind of the hmm. ancestral because, you know, that's where okay. we're coming from, both of us. Yeah. And I didn't know the long, long ancestry of using oils. Mm-hmm. So we're back. Yeah. Tell us about that. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, as you and I know, Mesopotamia is where mm. like everything comes from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, although there could be more from China earlier as well, but it's hard yeah. at a certain point to know records. what you're... Mm-hmm. But the yeah. first known distillation apparatus was developed in Mesopotamia in about 3500 BC. So that yeah. is, if you are um, a frequent listener of the podcast and you heard the beer episode, then you know that that's about when beer was being developed yeah. in Mesopotamia yeah. as well. So they were really figuring out a couple they were on it, those Mesopotamians. I know they were. And um, you still find a lot of oil and resin use there as well mm-hmm. to, to this day. Um, in China in 3000 BC, there was a book published with information on over 300 botanicals and their uses. So, you know, they were using them, you know, yeah. if they were publishing at that point. Yeah. Um, 1470 BC, Queen Hatshepsut famously took that big expedition um, to bring back riches and treasures, including, because she's mm. a billionaire, a grove of trees. And um, anybody who's spent much time reading in antiquity, which I always, I love the um, old ancient histories and um, the Bible and things like that, that are go way back. They all refer constantly to using oils. Um, anybody who's read the Song of Solomon knows that every second yeah. verse says something about, you know, my fingers are dripping with cassia and cinnamon yeah, or something. Yeah, I'm remembering and, now. It was just all over. Uh, I think there's over 1,100 references to using oils and plants um, in the Bible. Um, Then King Tut was buried in 1330 BC with alabaster jars. They're gorgeous. I've actually seen them. um, Designed to hold precious essential oils. Where did you see them? Um, There was a tour of King Tut's, uh, some of his effects. Not him himself, but... Um, and it came to Seattle and ah, okay. I wish I could have gone 14 times. <laughs> um, I absolutely loved it. And the, um, the Dead Sea Scrolls came once too. Okay. And wow. I couldn't, I could barely get myself to leave <laughs> at this play. I wanted to stay there all day. Um, but everybody else was like, okay, are you just going to stand there for 45 minutes looking at one little thing? Papyrus? And I was like, yes, I am. Do you have problems with that? <laughs> 
<laughs> That's like me in the Uffizi in Florence. The first time I went yeah. in there and I saw Botticelli's oh paintings. God. I was like, I'm, just, I'm going to stay here all day. Yeah. Here. There's, a, there's a seat yeah. here. That's why they have benches in front of them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I felt that way in the Tate. <laughs> And in the British Museum, and the, mm. yeah, some of these, some of these um, Egyptian statues that I spent my childhood drawing were in. Yeah, um, they were in the British Museum British as Museum. well as yeah. some of my favorite mummies were there as well. And I just, I never wanted to leave. <laughs> now we want to do an episode on museums. <laughs> the King of ancestors. Okay, so Alexander the Great, he burned incense in Macedonia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in Israel, crossing over into um, modern era. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody's heard, we three kings of Orient are. Yeah, <laughs> then you know, the wise men brought precious gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, mm. which have tons of symbolism in the ancient world. And frankincense was more valuable pound for pound than gold and oh. frankincense and myrrh combined actually triple each other's beneficial effects so they're often used wow. together see i've got frankincense um, i've never i've never had myrrh i put myrrh in a bitters once and the herbalist ooh, made a homemade bitter and i good. put myrrh in it um but i love frankincense so much it's an incredible fragrance well i'll be honest when i opened my first box of essential oils that I bought and there's a bottle of frankincense in there I was shocked like I just thought no they still make frankincense I don't know what I thought particularly but I only ever heard of it in the context of yeah baby Jesus yeah the first baby shower and things like that so I really didn't know it was still in use all right so then in Italy where you are Pliny Mm -hmm. wrote a natural history describing Mm. the use of herbs and essential oils that was about 100 AD and then in Persia, we saw a physician distilling floral essential oils about a thousand years after Christ was born. And then into the modern sort of scientific era in the 1930s, um, Dr. Rene Maurice began actually studying the therapeutic properties of essential oils. So this the 1900s is where you see a lot of things go from, um, and this would qualify with Weston A. Price as well, a lot of things go from just sort of general ancestral knowledge, yeah. tribal knowledge, or wives' tales into being studied. You know, why do they eat this food before they want to get pregnant? Does it actually affect fertility? Things like that. Um, so then oils were looked at in the same way. And then in the 80s, Dr. Jean-Claude, can't pronounce any of these French last names, so I'm not even trying. Um, he did more in-depth research on beneficial properties of essential oils. And then as far as Young Living goes in 1985, mm-hmm. Gary Young experienced the benefits of oils. And he traveled to France to meet <clears throat> with some of the old kind of, uh, like the dying out sort of <laughs> old yeah. guys who were studying yeah. oils and using them. And then he became so convinced of their ancestral use and he was also reading the bible and saw that they were all over there and thought well if they had to use them back then why don't we use them now so he nobody really had them in the u.s at this time so he brought the concept and tried to popularize it with his company young living essential oils which 
is still now to this day the world leader in essential oils. Okay. And it's it's nice. It's an amazing history because it just goes so far. It's amazing. I know. It's amazing. I mean, I just I had no idea that it, it went back. I think, you know, I I've been aware of things like uh, I've I've read parts of the Bible and now I'm remembering the references to oils. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. didn't because I wasn't clocked into it back then. I didn't I know. think, oh yeah, of course. That's, they that's do the same things oils. that seem they seem odd or I always just thought of them as this isn't the right word to use, but I'll use the word magical. So <laughs> hope, hope nobody just turned off the podcast player. But um in in Exodus, for instance, which Genesis and Exodus are my two favorite books in the Bible, and the most ancestral, I guess. But mm. um the Lord would tell Moses and Aaron, you know, after you inspect all these diseased lepers or after you butcher a thousand whatever's, you know, for sacrifice, then wash all your tools with this blend of oils and then also pour it over yourself. Okay. And I always just thought, oh yeah, magical powers, you know? And now I'm like, oh my gosh, mm. they're antiviral and antibacterial. Yeah. And and um I suppose God wasn't gonna describe in stone tablets what, you know, <laughs> bacteria was yeah (laughs) Yeah. exactly um it just basically said trust me and don't die (laughs) yeah and then you know the um the israelites were there's like two million people camping basically and they would get these plagues and Mm. um god would tell the priests fill your censers with incense and then go take it into every single tent yeah and what we do around here when something crops up is we turn on a resin burner with frankincense or we turn on a diffuser um, to cleanse the air. And then you're like, oh, they were doing that in tents in the desert like, thousands of years ago. So I, I've already got a question. What's the difference between a resin and a diffuser? But I think we just have to do another mm-hmm. episode after we yeah, finish we this one way. later yeah. in the year on because we're supposed to be focusing on the kitchen and I know we're, I'm no. going to go off on one. We've got to get, something we gotta get to the food. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, we'll pin so, that, pin that for a future Yeah, I'm pinning it. Question. <laughs> um, what I wanted to ask you was, you know, you talked about how that kind of transition around like 1900, the same as what happened with Western Price. It went from ancestral knowledge, mm-hmm. slowly getting lost. And then someone came along and said, hang on, there's like something here. And they started investigating it scientifically. So... Right. Do we still use oils in in the way that our ancestors did in in medicine or in food in our um, world that we live in now, or has that kind of completely stopped and we're just using it for, you know, well, what basically what certainly people in in England most associate them with, which is an oil massage. Mm, yeah, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Well, no, no, there. Someone come and yes. give me one. <laughs> <laughs> well, just going to test it for science. Uh, <laughs> yes and yes and no. Um, we do still use oils medically. We don't use them in as much as we used to, and I'll explain why. So they're still used and prescribed in many countries, um, notably in Europe. Of course, they're used all over the Middle East, um, and then in Canada as well. They're part of the national health system. They're, they're recognized there. At least that's what I've been told by Canadians. Okay. And even in the US, it is still used sometimes. So maybe 
you've heard of having a clove injection in your tooth. You know, maybe you're going to get a crown put on in a couple of days or something like that. And they'll inject clove in your tooth to keep you numb until then. Oils are also used in the food industry a lot for flavor, flavoring foods um, <clears throat> because they are really awesome for flavoring foods. However, this is where you get into the conflict of money <laughs> mm. and the largest industry in the world, the multi-trillion dollar pharmaceutical world. <sighs> so what they do in the pharmaceutical world is they study essential oils and they look for, um, I don't know if you've ever seen like a spectrometry graph or whatever they're called, but you can look at oils and you see kind of these spikes. It looks like a heart rate sort of thing okay. that shows different components that are greater or lesser. And then <clears throat> pharmaceutical companies will figure out, you know, okay, this component is really good for this. And then how can we manufacture it synthetically so we can patent it and then make it into a really strong version I and see. sell it in a pill. Yeah. Um, Upside of that could be that you could use it for some really intense medications, you know, that can save lives. And downside of that is um, just like nutrition in food, often the components in oils work synergistically. Yeah. And so they, you know, you're typically meant to take it um, as it is so that you can enjoy all those yeah. um, side benefits. And that's another <clears throat> thing that reminds me of beer immediately, you know, that Oh, you yeah, take yeah. a yeast Great out point. of a out of a, a culture and put it in a lab and just generate it and then sell people packets right. of yeast from a lab. You're not mm -hmm. getting all of the spectrum of yeast and bacteria that would have been in a home culture. And you know, when Rob and I taste the beer that I make here with that, we don't get hangovers. We just don't. I know. And, it's, right. and it's something we think to do with that synergy between all the different yeah. aspects. And that apply you said applies to food and mm -hmm. here to oils as well. Yeah. There's a sort of peculiar, I'm going to use a strong word, but I've observed it so many times that I, I haven't been able to find another way to explain it. But there's a sort of peculiar ethnocentrism in the U.S. in regards mm -hmm. to science, medicine, and food. And that is that something could be considered toxic and banned in every other country in the world. And some many things are literally mm -hmm. in every other country banned, but they're still used in the U.S. And then people in the U.S. will say, well, it's fine then. <laughs> and I'm like, you can't say mm -hmm. every other scientist is an idiot. <laughs> you know, you just can't say that. Mm -hmm. um, or in like food, you know, when we talk about using raw milk in the U.S., we literally have to start with educating people on the fact that they can eat it or drink yeah. it, that it's safe. And that is thanks to our impressive media. Um, Sally just sent out a letter to all the Weston A. Price members. So I'm sure tons of you listening saw this letter where she said that um, another state legalized raw milk. Yay. And she said, predictably, the media immediately began a campaign telling everybody how yeah. dangerous it is and not to use it. Don't use it. Mm. And we're so influenced by media and lobby money in the U.S. that it's crazy. But I will say not our listeners. <laughs> They're doing yeah. the weird ancestral things because they're based and amazing. So we have, we have a good, a good crowd listening to this. So I know I'm preaching to the choir. Um, I want to ask about the safety. Because, yeah. Um, it is a good one. I, I mean, I've historically used oils to mm -hmm. um, diffuse around the house 
and to put with a carrier oil for massage. And when you started talking to me about using them in the in food, I kind of looked at the bottles and I thought, can I, can I use this in my food? Is it is it edible? Yeah. And I don't know, are all oils edible that people could go out, you know, listeners could go out and buy, or do they need to look for special ones? Well, ah, yeah, that's a tricky one because I would say largely no. For instance, okay. some 40%, I, I want to say 40%, I could be wrong on this number, but 40% more lavender is sold globally than is grown globally. So unless we're growing on the moon somewhere, somebody's faking lavender <laughs> and so what so you mean someone's making it in in, in a lab laboratory yeah. yes laboratory. yes Get the word out. um jasmine for instance is one of the most popular aromatics for perfume mm. and virtually all jasmine in the world is fake Gosh. Um, which is why it smells horrible and then when you smell real jasmine yeah you almost amazing. get drunk you're like i can't even walk away from this what is yeah. this and it's Oh, no, it's these beautiful, tiny white flowers that can Mm. only be harvested at dawn before the dew melts off of them by hand on giant flat trays Mm. and historically by females only. And so, yeah, it's freaking expensive. No wonder. Yeah, it's very sacred, a lot of Mm. these things. And um, we do the same thing with food where we just want a lot of it. We want the cheap chicken. We want it coming out of a factory so we can get it for 99 cents a pound. And um, we don't care how nutritious it is or not. Of course, listeners don't think that way. But generally speaking, that's like a modern attitude. Um, <clears throat> oils are also, um, when you distill a plant, you can distill it with just pure, clean, unchlorinated water. Mm-hmm. Or you can get a lot more out of that plant if you add chemicals that are extractives. Uh, um, and the I most see. popular one is hexane. And yes, this will turn up in the finished product. And yes, hexane does cause cancer. So that doesn't have to go on a label. They don't tell you how they distilled uh, the plant. And a lot of plants are sold through brokers. And then a lot of oil is distilled and sold through brokers. So by the time a labeling yeah. company purchases the oil, so they no couldn't tell you where it grew, how it grew, what conditions it grew under, if the seed was GMO, if there was Roundup used around the plants. Um, They couldn't tell you if the water that watered the plants was chlorinated because that will affect the plant. And they certainly Mm. couldn't tell you if there was any distillation agents used in the process. And then to compound that in the U.S., and I don't know how it is outside of the U.S., but in the U.S. we have this label law that says so when you distill, have you ever seen someone distilling oils, Allison? No, no, I haven't. I'll send you some pictures that I took okay. last time I was at the distillation plant. But if you watch somebody distill, just picture a giant vat that's typically underground just because it's huge and it's easier to throw the plant material in from ground level. So a giant vat underground and then um, the plants go in there and then um, it's steamed. And then all the vapor rises up to the top and goes out through a tube mm-hmm. and then goes down into giant, well, should be glass, um, kind of giant beakers. And then you can watch it dripping in. And then 
in those giant beakers, it will begin to separate. So the bottom will be basically the water. So hydrosol is what it's called, floral water. Mm -hmm. And this has tons of benefits and is really good for you, but it is not as potent as what floats on top of the hydrosol, which is the more viscous oil. And that oil is a smaller percentage. You know, if you've ever watched it, then you know the hydrosol is typically way more. Okay. Um, but the oil is a smaller percentage. Now, when you're bottling oil in the US legally, if at least 3%, only 3% of your bottle is that oil, the rest could be hydrosol or coconut oil or honestly anything you want. You can label it as 100% pure therapeutic grade essential oil, if at least 3% of that huh? qualifies. It doesn't make any sense to me. That's not an essential <laughs> oil. That's 3% essential oil. <laughs> yeah, and it could, it could still be a great product if you had some pure hydrosol. I've used hydrosol before. Um, hydrosol has great benefits. You can use different hydrosols from different plants for different things. You can spray it on your skin, put it in your hair right on your baby's feet, you know, there's different things you can do with it, but it's not oil and it's certainly not as valuable, aka as expensive or precious as the oil is. And if you're going for a really potent effect, then you want the pure, the total oil. You won't need very much of it, but you do want the total oil. Um, so all that to say, no, not all oils are edible. And as far as plants go, um, I suppose you could distill a poisonous plant, but I don't know that anybody's really doing that um, as far as which plants are edible. Young Living is yeah. it's the one I'm the most familiar with because when I was first introduced to the concept of oils, I very quickly ran through a bunch of different brands that I discounted immediately for various reasons. For instance, mm -hmm. if you call them and ask, where do you grow your lavender? And they're like, I don't know. Then that's don't buy. <laughs> you know, that's the end of that. <laughs> Excuse me. But I chose to investigate Young Living more deeply. And then I went, I met with Gary Young and he's since passed away. And I met with his wife and I met with the president of their company. And then over time, I met with a bunch more different executives and people that worked within the company, went to their bottling facility, visited a number of their farms to watch some distilling, um, watch their growing process, planting process, talked to the farmers that worked on the farms. Like I really went kind of overboard because, Deep. yeah, because the more I read about the chemistry of oils, the more I was like, oh my goodness. This is really potent. And if you, when you can combine an oil um, with something and put it on your body and it will carry that nutrition into every cell of your body. And so if you're distilling it with hexane, yeah. then immediately we have a problem because yeah. oils are so small that they can travel through your cell wall. And that's an enormous benefit when that's what you're going for. And you know what you have in your bottle, but that's very dangerous if you don't know what's in your bottle. And I will say that I had a ton of oils in my house at that time, and I threw them all away, even though it felt wasteful. But on the flip side, chemotherapy sounded really expensive. So I threw I them think away. <laughs> that, um, you know, it, there's a parallels with food here that 
you know, you had to do that research in order to find a supply that you were happy with. And just like, you know, we do with our farmers and listeners do with their meat and the dairy and their eggs to get a supply that they're happy with. Um, Absolutely. Like, what are they feeding? What are they feeding the cow? Yeah. Uh, What are they feeding their chickens? Um, This is the water chlorinated. These things matter. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, let's talk well, about wanna, the kitchen. Oh, go on. Do you I was going to add one more weird thing <laughs> that's U.S. specific. So I don't know if this applies outside. Okay, the US. but U.S. specific, we have the FDA, <clears throat> and um, the FDA has three paradigms for labeling. One is um, topical use. One is um, internal use. Yeah. And one is, I want to say maybe it's just aromatic. Um, you can't okay. apply more than two to a label. So mm. they required Young Living to generate special labels for their oils. So, for instance, we have lemon oil and we have edible lemon oil because you needed a different label. They are distilled and grown the exact same way. They just have a different label because that's the law out here. So... Okay. Um, if somebody has a question, is an oil edible, you really, really want to be sure you could just look and see, does Young Living have the ingestible label? And then I would caution you against using something from most stores because those bottles will also say on the back. And I've looked at these bottles and I'm like, I don't see what the point of this is, but they say, um, do not get it on your skin, do not ingest it. Do not inhale. And I'm like, what are you supposed to do with <laughs> What are we going to do with it? Just put it on look the shelf the and look at it. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. So, so just, just know it's just like the food. They're not all created equal. And, <laughs> it's like, um, it's like um, I remember when I was looking at the packaging for paints before oh no. I switched to completely, you know, making my own paint um, mm-hmm. that they, um, they had like, don't flush this down the sink because fish die. <laughs> just like, well, well what is an artist going to do with it, you know? When they try yeah, and clean their brushes, it's going to go down the sink, isn't it, you know? That's the company Just, protecting themselves, right? Because yeah. they know you're going to do that anyways. Yeah. But then if you yeah. do it and the fish die, they're like, we told you not to do it. Yeah, excellent. i just pass the, exactly. the burden on to you. How do you feel about our food world? Do you want to see change like we do? If so, head over to patreon.com forward slash ancestral kitchen podcast and help support us to get this work out as far and wide as we can. To say thank you, we've got a host of extra ancestral food material to share with you. You can connect with us more deeply via our Patreon exclusive podcasts, our after show chats, our dedicated forum, and our ancestral food get togethers. And there's a library of downloads that will support you in your own kitchen. By joining, you'll be really helping us to continue making this podcast and to focus on having a bigger impact, reaching more people, making a greater difference. So we can move together towards the future food world we all want to see. We've got four levels of support to suit different pockets, Check out www.patreon.com forward slash Ancestral Kitchen Podcast for all the details. Let's talk about the kitchen because um, I want to know um, why 
I should use oils in my kitchen, you know? Why why should I be using an oil rather than yeah. just a sprig of herb, you know, some rosemary mm-hmm. or some dried rosemary even? Um, why should I yeah. be using? Tell us what the the health benefits are or, or, or are you doing it for the flavor or why are you doing it? Sure. Sometimes you do want to use a sprig of herbs. <laughs> mm. Putting a drop of mint on top of your whipped raspberry panna cotta does not have the same ring as putting a sprig of mint on top. <laughs> Um, sometimes you do need those herbs, but, um, there's lots of benefits and this is where I'm going to be very careful with what I say. And this again, comes back to the pharmaceutical industry, because once the pharmaceutical industry invents a synthetic copy of something and then patents it for a specific usage that has a specific symptom description, for instance, um, we'll say anxiety, they, once they have a drug for something that works for anxiety, you're no longer allowed to use that word in conversation with non-pharmaceutical things that you may or may not sell. Um, so whether it's been used for thousands of years for that purpose and every other country in the world enjoys the benefits of it, if we sell in the U.S. a pill that does the same thing, we can't say it. Hmm. And believe me, they have pills for everything. Yeah. <laughs> So it really kind of neuters the language in a way of what we can say. So I'm going to speak circumspectly about benefits and I'm going to be cautious about what I say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we always have to say things like, go do your own research. Yeah, I have to say, I trust you. <laughs> yeah, believe me, I've read thousands of pages, PubMed, uh, um, research studies. Um, and the more I read, the more I'm like, I can't believe that in the last 50 years, we tried to discard this ancestral method of care that has been around for thousands of years now that, now that we can even study the benefits. But mm. why you would use them in your kitchen? <clears throat> yes, there are health benefits that you can get. And sometimes, like you and I were talking the other day about you were ordering some herbs. Mm. Um, you weren't ordering them for the smell. You were ordering them for the benefits that they would give you. Mm. And oils can be the same way. Oftentimes, like you and I said in the beginning, the delicious massage, you know, you might want them to pick something that smells really nice, right? Mm. But oftentimes with oils, you actually want the thing that gives you the most benefit, maybe not so much for the smell. The smell might just be the side benefit. Mm. Um, And (laughs) like some of the best oils to use in massage are actually oregano and thyme and... um, peppermint and not always ones that you would think of mm. fragrance you end up smelling a little bit like spaghetti sauce at the end but it's really great benefits um you can get benefits from using oils that you don't get from dried herbs especially okay. particularly commercial dried herbs there's a six-month rule on dried herbs you want to use them within six months and if you're like me, every single one of us is thinking, I have dried herbs that are way older than six yeah. And when you buy them commercially, they could be years old. We often have no idea how yeah, old they how are by the time we get the them. Shelf. Yeah. yeah, and the use-by date can be pretty far out there, mm-hmm. which they're not going to go bad. They're not going to harm you, but you won't necessarily get benefits from them. And I remember the first time I used fresh parsley, after using dried parsley my whole life, I was like, oh my 
gosh, parsley has flavor. I just thought it was there for like green sparkles on top. Of I think that dried parsley isn't like a herb. I, I don't know. I've never been <laughs> able to find a, a dried parsley that tastes of anything. And I dried only ever use pointless. fresh parsley now. I don't I don't yeah. have a dried parsley in my kitchen. There's I don't have it either. There's no point. Mm. Um I could shave up any grass out of the yard. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um oils evaporate very quickly. Well, if you remember Gabriel bringing in the rosemary, the oils yeah. were immediately beginning to evaporate from the plant, leaving the plant. And um, of course, you can often smell the fragrance years later, so they may not all be gone. But yeah. much of the oil will evaporate from ground and dried herbs. And the same goes for your teas. Um, and so if you, for instance, were saying, oh, I want to increase peppermint in my diet for such and so benefits and you turned to dried peppermint, you might need to go through baskets and baskets of dried peppermint to try and achieve that goal you had in mind, mm. maybe drying your mucous membranes up or something, um, because so much of the potency would be lost. So often when you use oils in the kitchen, it is actually because you're trying to derive some health benefits. Um, and sometimes we even put them directly into capsules. You can buy empty capsules. Or if you're buying something like liver capsule and mixing it into, say, a smoothie, then you can save that empty capsule and refill it maybe with oils. Um, so Gary takes frankincense and Idaho blue spruce um, daily in a capsule. Okay. <clears throat> um, some of the health benefits that you can get from your oils include you can... Um, sort of design ways to positively affect your hormones, your endocrine system generally, mm -hmm. or maybe you're trying to tackle a specific problem. And so you could look up oils that pertained to that issue and choose those and maybe keep them in your kitchen for a while and use them periodically. You can also make a tea out of it by just putting a drop into your cup. Um, or I often make like a broth tea. So mm -hmm. I'll put broth on the stove and heat it. And then because I don't like to boil my oils, it's not necessarily good for them. Um, just like with foods, you can lose some benefits by doing yeah. that. Um, I like to heat my broth, take it off the stove and then add a drop of sometimes dill, um, mm -hmm. which is considered very beneficial for your blood sugar, your um, endocrine system generally, or oregano, which is mm -hmm. great to take in the winter. Um, and also tastes delicious in broth. Mm. So there's kind of multiple benefits. And when you were talking about salmon earlier, I remembered um, my oh, friend yeah. Claudia. She always puts um, lemon oil on her salmon when she bakes it. Mm. And that's because she likes the lemon flavor. Yeah. Well, I thought, well, that's interesting. I've never tried that. But I love salmon and I don't have it very often either for the same reasons as you do. Mm. So I haven't tried that yet. When I first heard Allison talking about boza, the fermented drink made of millet that's a household name in Turkey, I felt as if I was being transported back to a bazaar in the Ottoman Empire or traveling the Silk Road on the back of a camel, and I knew I wanted to taste it. Boza is fizzy, sweet, tart, and it's full of probiotics. You can drop it into your smoothies, spoon it on top of your breakfast, or drink it in the traditional way they still do in Istanbul, topped with cinnamon and toasted chickpeas. 
fermented millet drinks were first made in that region of Europe in the 8th century BC. And as with all of Allison's courses, she's gone above and beyond in research and experimentation and testing on Rob and Gabe and given us an easy way to recreate the goodness in her own homes. If you'd like a fun and tasty way to get more probiotics into your life, bring her into your kitchen and have her walk you through how to bring this ancestral dairy-free, gluten-free fermentation recipe with her amazing Boza video course. Head to www.ancestralkitchen.com slash Boza, B-O-Z-A, to check out the video course. And happy fermentation! What other ways? Tell us some other ways that you use oils in the kitchen. Because, like, you know, I like the, the oil in the broth mm. idea. Um, yeah. And now I'm kind of thinking, oh, I could use like a drop of oil. when, For example, when I make the um, cast iron ground meat recipe, which is in the cookbook, yeah. Yeah. You know, I usually either I go kind of oregano or rosemary kind of way or I go spicy uh-huh. way and put um, mm. coriander and that kind of thing in it. And I'm thinking that would benefit from a drop or two yeah. maybe of those oils in it rather than using the um the actual dried herbs you know I could just stir them in when I take it off the heat at the end yeah give us some other ideas yes that is something we do a lot mm. and my mom like with many things in my life she's a true master of this she actually knows all of her favorite like her favorite beef stew or her favorite um, pea soup. You know, she has these really recipes that she makes all the time that are her favorites. And then she knows which oils she uses in them. So she actually takes an empty bottle and she'll mix the ratio of oils that she likes. So she'll put maybe sometimes 10 different oils in there and she basically labels it beef stew. And then when she makes her beef stew, she can put in one drop of that combination and she gets a little bit of the flavor of each, but she's not using 10 drops of oil. Yeah, because so that would also, be just too much. Yeah, it would be too much. And it's also economical this way because um, you don't have to use the same quantity. And I want to know delicious. what oil she puts in that stew now. Can you put it in the Discord? Can you ask her? And you know what? Yes, actually, I think we made recipe cards of some of her favorite recipes. I could just okay. post those in the yeah, um, Discord for the patrons. that would be fabulous. Yeah. I can do that. Um, just because I wanted to print them you know, and have them in front of me. Mm. And she does the same for um, mulled apple cider. Mm-hmm. So she um, she puts it on the stove and heats it. And then she adds like a drop of her combination of oils. And then when you drink it, it's like all this clove and cinnamon bark and all these different, you know, orange, different flavors in it. Um, so yeah, we use it in broth, TB Coast, of course. It's a very quick way to flavor TB Coast. Um, that is water kefir. Yep. <laughs> what water kefir should be called? Is this episode coming out before or after? This Sandals is coming out after Sandals episode, directly after nice. Sandals episode. So nice. go back and listen to to. Oh, actually, you know, it's the Patreon where he talks about it, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's the Patreon, it's the Patreon where he extra us. where he tells us <laughs> off for calling water kefir water kefir. Yeah, go listen to the Patreon extra, and you'll hear a Sandra cats tell us off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but some of my favorite because recipes involve essential oils like um putting in um chopped pears and a drop of ginger essential oil that's one of our favorites okay and the other is different things you can do where you're immediately flavoring something where it might otherwise need to sit and i've used it say if i'm going to somebody's house or we have a people coming over or something and i really quickly want to have a flavored drink 
then instead of having something sit for a long time and and there's nothing wrong with that you can have your tv coast sit full of herbs for a long time and extract mm. flavor from them but um that does change the fermentation quality a little bit and i like sometimes just getting that uh, i make a chai spice combo um so like cardamom and clove and black pepper yeah. and ginger, different things combined. And I also, uh, while well, I put that in kombucha, but I also like that in a golden milk, a warm yeah. like turmeric yeah. milk. Um, yeah. It's good in yogurts, um, milk mm-hmm. kefir, soups, mm-hmm. obviously, sauces, yeah. of course, pizza sauce. Mm. Um, if, you, if you like peppermint brownies, which I do. Um, I've made peppermint brownies before. Um, gosh, we use them all the time in the kitchen, certainly in beverages of all sorts. So give us an example. How do you make the pizza sauce? What do you do? Mm, to yeah, the that? pizza sauce. That is one that, um, here's the other weird thing, Allison. And I, I feel like I sound weird when I say it, but I sound weird when I say lots of things. So <laughs> we're all weird here, <laughs> but Okay. When I use essential oils in a recipe, I, and I serve it, Mm. I get so many compliments and (laughs) like more than normal. And I don't know why that is. I've thought about it all the time. Like I remember even one time when I made a lemon meringue pie and I gave a slice to our elderly neighbor when we lived in Virginia Mm. and she came back across the street and said, that is the most lemony lemon meringue pie. It was like, just right lemony. It wasn't too lemony. And I was like, what is wrong with it? I just can't even hand out a piece of food with oils in it without somebody going, this is bonkers. How good is this? But our pizza sauce, which mm. people are always asking me, how do you make the pizza sauce? It's just 16 ounces of tomato sauce. And if I have it in a jar, I just open the jar and I dump everything right into the jar, put the lid back on, and then I shake it. And then okay. I pour it over my, I mean, this is, we're talking lazy. That's here. easy, easy. <laughs> Fish saving. <laughs> so I put in 16 ounces or 16 ounces of tomato sauce and then about a teaspoon of salt. Mm. Um, and then I do one drop each of mm. oregano, basil, thyme, and black pepper. And sometimes I just go crazy and grab whatever else because I have a rack in the kitchen. I've got parsley on there and um, some other herbs. Sometimes I just throw them in. Okay. And then I, I usually, I kind of prick the pizza dough with a fork and then I drizzle a little oil on it, um, lard usually. And then, because I'm not putting lard in the sauce, you know? Yeah. And then I pour the sauce, I told you, lazy. (laughs) I pour the sauce on top of the pizza and then uh, we dump on whatever everybody's in the mood for, crack eggs on top or pile meat on or you know, so you've got, if, if you were using oregano, basil, thyme, and black pepper, you've got four drops to 16 ounces of sauce. Yeah. That's a good which, guide. Which I like, and it doesn't have to be that much. You know, if I was mm. as organized as my mom, she would be literally falling over laughing if I said that, because she says she's not organized, but she is. Um, she can pull up the folder to show you. <laughs> but if I was as organized as my mom, then mm. I would pre-mix all of those. Um, yeah, and then you just I, have one bottle, which is your pizza yep, sauce. Yep. Yeah, just call it pizza sauce. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then say, you know, for the kids' reference, I would probably put on the label, you know, four drops per pint or something. But yeah. um, I'll get there one day. I'll, so I'll I, I want to add in here that there is a, my recipe for the spelt sourdough pizza base <gasps> yes. in 
our um, second cookbook, which Andrea talked about earlier on, spelt sourdough yeah. every day. So you, we could make, listeners could make that pizza base, which is oh yeah, very, very good. And then <laughs> they could put that sauce on the top. Be yeah, combine. And then invite me, me and Alison. Eating. Maybe if we do a, um, I suppose we'll probably come out with second editions of all our books eventually, then we could add the pizza sauce because it literally takes like two sentences to write Yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I could have put that in. Oh. There are so many things that you can use your oils for in the kitchen, Alice, and it's just mind-blowing. And once you start, then it's, you know, it's like lard. When people always say to me, well, what are you going to use all that lard for? And I'm like, I don't know. What does anybody use lard for? And so then people say, well, what do you use oils in the kitchen for? I'm like, I don't know. What does anybody use oregano for? Yeah. (laughs) I think, you know, you said you've got that rack in your kitchen and yeah. then I can imagine if I had that, I my my hand would just be going to it. I'd be doing something. I think, oh, oh no. a drop of that. I know. You know, a drop of you that. You just go crazy. You know. Then... And really, if you make those combos, then everything lasts yeah. for such a long time. And as we know, because we've found them in King Tut's tomb <laughs> and mm-hmm. residues in thousands-year-old pots, um, oils last basically forever. <laughs> and can the you get oils, oils that... for everything that I would find on my spice rack or not? Um, probably just about, I suppose mm. it depends on what somebody has been motivated to distill. Yeah. I'm thinking um, like, can you get turmeric oil? Hmm. I don't I think I've seen that. Mm-mm. I might have to have a turmeric on the side. Um, Young well. Living has, interestingly enough, they have a supplement for joints. That's what it's advertised mm. for. But you and I know that turmeric has tons of benefits. Yeah. But it has yeah. turmeric in it as well I as pepper oil. And what's fascinating about that is... If you've ever cooked with turmeric, you know that traditional ancestral recipes typically include black pepper. Yeah, yeah. Why this is, is because the curcumin in the black pepper is needed to extract in your body the benefits that we all want turmeric for. Mm. So our ancestors combined them. So when you see a capsule for turmeric, Typically, there'll be black pepper in it. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting with the Young Living one is they use the oil. Because yeah. the oil, if you recall, is so small that it can transport the benefits from that capsule into your cells. And they found, basically by analyzing the urine of people, that, sorry to say that on a kitchen episode, that um, when you combine essential oils with your nutritionals, you absorb pretty much all of it, about 98% of it into your body within a matter of hours. I think we've talked about this before, Alison, mm. versus um, typically if you take a nutritional, you might absorb up to 40% in 24 hours and you'll pee the rest out. So it's see. interesting what <clears throat> the reasons why our ancestors would, I mean, people would fight wars to get essential oils. Yeah. They would um, travel um, you know, to Macedonia or um, to Lebanon and, and these far distant places, Persia, they would send send people to bring these oils back. And um, there were, you know, spice traders on the Silk Route. And um, if anybody's heard the word ointment, yeah. um, ointment comes from the word anoint or anointment, um, which is, yeah. which means myrrh. So myrrh was basically synonymous with the word anoint or ointment because myrrh was combined with everything as sort of a carrier. 
Hmm. And we know now that it complements and amplifies the benefits of a lot of oils. So our ancestors are really very wise. Yeah. So wise. And the thing is, they figured this all out, like by dying, (laughs) either living or dying, you know? And the fact that kings would um, count their wealth in terms of how much oil they had tells us something about the benefits that the ancients saw in these oils. But, Mm. you know, modern day, we are just too smart for these things and we just Mm. cast it all aside and move on to synthetics because we know better now. (laughs) It's just wild. Before we um, wrap up, just give us a kind of a a peek into what other things outside the kitchen that you use oils for in your household. Yeah, maybe we'll do a follow-up episode later. Yeah, yeah, I think we definitely should do. (laughs) Well, certainly during my pregnancies and postpartums and taking care of my children and babies, Mm. um, I leaned heavily on oils as a route to avoid sometimes other um, modalities that were less preferable to me. Mm. Um, Certainly good in bath and foot soaks Mm. because you can achieve lots of um, benefits that way. Um, scalp treatments. I know we've talked about that before. Mm. Um, really good for hair. Um, cleaning sprays, of course, you know, just like yeah. Moses and Aaron and the Levites and the priests in Exodus, you can use it to clean things. Um, we use it when we're butchering a lot to clean our surfaces mm. continuously and then to treat them at the end where they just sort of sit and air dry. Um, certainly in laundry and stain removal. Um, on the farm, we use it to clean the milking machine mm-hmm. um, for cleaning cow udders and for udder treatments. We had a um, cow with a sore on her udder. When we got her, she'd had it for like a year and it was being treated with the traditional treatment that everybody uses for cows. Um, <clears throat> and I switched to using, I transitioned to using the animal ointment that young living cells mm. which has oils in it and it went away like wow. almost immediately um so we also feed it to our chickens in their water and you can put it in feed as well as a supplement and we use it on the dogs and the cats you know we have a dog that has a persistent hip problem and gary will take some oils on his hand and just like do a really deep yeah. massage in her hip she loves it <laughs> and um it gives her muscles some relaxation really? benefits yeah she Wonderful. doesn't know what he's doing so we should <laughs> no um, placebo there <laughs> we should definitely do another episode on this because there's so much information that you have to yeah, share that'd be and really fun. i know that i'm interested in it which means the listeners will be interested in it too yeah um yeah. have you got some recipes other than that pizza recipe are there yeah. some recipes <laughs> that we can give to listeners i don't know can you top pizza oh wait no, no. you can't not, not on the sourdough spout <laughs> <laughs> yeah very funny. okay very funny um Yes, I do. Actually, um, I made a booklet with Sabrina and Mm. I collected recipes from a bunch of people across Young Living. And we were just putting together a booklet for (laughs) our fall theme, which is pumpkin spice. But um, there's recipes in there for things ranging from um, little desserts to uh, like coffee creamers. Oh my gosh, coffee creamers, such a good place to use your oils. that's or tea creamer whatever you want to call it but yeah i can post that um where 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 should i put it show notes on the new website 
Oh, we'll put it on perfect. The new, we'll, we'll put it on the new website and I then we'll put a link to it in the show notes. And so um, it'll be really good for listeners now, but also if they do yeah. want to play with pumpkin spice later in the year, they can also dive back into it then. Yeah. And, um, well, plus you just see things in there that you're like, wait a minute, you used those to make a creamer. I think, you know, yeah. maybe you idea. have, I've got cardamom and cinnamon. I want to try making a yeah, those. Exactly. You know? So exactly. Yeah. And if your... on that, on that website, um, mm-hmm. ancestralkitchenpodcast.com, the new website, mm-hmm. um, there is also a, a tab, which I think is called resources. And on that page, you will find a list of things that Andrea and I love to use that, yes. um, you can help support the podcast whilst um using along along with us in your kitchens and there is a link there to andrea's young living setup so if you do oh, yeah. decide you want to go get some that. oils then feel free to go there and you'll be helping us continue to do the work yeah. that we're both doing yeah i'm looking at the website right now so resources oh, is where you put you've got your courses here yeah the grain mill yes we need yeah. to talk more about the grain mill this year Alice oh, and that this will. needs to be the year of grinding grain <laughs> serious <laughs> which means then we need to talk about the bread baker oh Allison I broke mm. my piece of stone oh it's time for a new one I've had it for 15 years oh gosh I've done that <laughs> and I've broken piece of stone I thought it was it was leaning leaning against the cooler and I moved the cooler and it oh. fell and just smashed I, I dropped mine once. I guess yeah. now I can be a customer of your bakeware. Yes, because the pizza stone is on there. In is in the resources. Yeah, and then well, isn't if it? Yeah. people go to downloads, then we have. Oh, man, you guys did such a good job setting this up. Cheers, Rob. Yeah. Um, and your vision, Allison, because you've wanted this from day one. Hmm. But at the top, it says podcast downloads, and then you've got the podcast downloads that are available to everybody, like the. 20 small steps to an ancestral kitchen and then the patron is patron exclusive downloads. So mm-hmm. our supporters can download their extra benefits there, which are sheesh. It's going down. Getting it's a bigger. Lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's it's good. Turning into a really nice, beautiful little collection of um, ancestral wisdom, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Oils are sometimes called, uh, they're like a sort of inadvertent step to an ancestral kitchen. Allison, I've heard a lot of people mm. say it's the gateway um, because now that they've kind of been popularized on social media, people hear about them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I see people go from diffusing peppermint to finding a raw milk supplier to making kefir to sending mm. me pictures of it's their like brie in their kitchen. You know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> it sets something off. And, and I sometimes wonder, is it just because it opened the portal into the ancestral world or is it because you had more energy and you felt better now or is it like what is it i don't know I'm what just, it is i'm but glad it's, it's a gateway happening. yeah i'm glad yeah it's, happening. it's a good one wonderful is there anything else you want to um say before we before we stop we'll save it for the next one yeah let's save it for the <laughs> next one definitely thank you yeah. ever so much for sharing everything with us you know it just is yeah it's been eye-opening for me it. and i'm sure for people listening and um mm. yeah i want to just Good. like dump off my herb shelf now and replace it with a rack of oils be <laughs> no you can just too. add them you can just yeah, add okay them. okay, both. okay. <laughs> all right wonderful thanks very much andrea Until all next right time. bye Alison. bye <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to continue the conversation. Come find us on Instagram, Andrea's at Farm and Hearth and Allison's at Ancestral underscore Kitchen. Until next time, we both wish you much fun, exploration, and satisfaction in and out of the kitchen.